1: Your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: What is going on, Dolphins fans? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, director scouting of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins, who are a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan and assembler of Dolphins specific big boards. Today on the show, excited to extend into the running back position. We dipped our toes into the water yesterday looking at day two and three offensive linemen. we got to get these first-round offensive linemen out of the way. But it is worth mentioning uh, an NFL free agent broke some news yesterday pertaining to your Miami Dolphins and talking about veteran offensive lineman DJ Fluker announcing via Instagram uh, that he was no longer with the Baltimore Ravens and is signed with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, this is the second Baltimore Raven to sign on the Dolphins' offensive line. If you want to start a pipeline from another team's program to come to your team to help rebuild an offensive line, a team like Baltimore is a great place to start. Now, granted, DJ Fluker, uh, he bounced around a little bit. He was in Seattle. He was in New York with the Giants. He was in Baltimore for this past season. You will be absolutely stunned to know that he checks all the same boxes. Every other free agent addition for the Miami Dolphins <laughs> has added over the course of the Brian Flores, Chris Greer era, 343 pounds. He, alongside Eric Flowers... The two 340-plus offensive linemen now on the roster for the Dolphins. Solomon Kinley checking in at a lean 339. Robert Hunt and Austin Jackson sitting somewhere around 325 apiece. What does the signing of DJ Fluker mean for the Miami Dolphins? I think it alleviates the stress of feeling as though you have to secure a day one or day two top 100 offensive lineman. I don't think it settles the center issue long-term. DJ Fluker is not somebody who's the second oldest player on the roster now as a 30-year-old veteran offensive lineman this upcoming season. Uh, He's not somebody who's going to prevent you from doing anything, but he alleviates some of the pressure because DJ Fluker has played throughout the course of his career in the NFL as both an offensive guard and an offensive tackle. That positional versatility opens the door for the Dolphins to continue to push the right buttons to find the combination of five guys that's going to be the best combination of five. And that is what building a good offensive line is all about. Can we put the Pene Sewell thing to bed? Probably. Who should be worried on the roster? I'm looking at potentially Michael Dieter. I think Dieter's helped and aided a little bit by the fact that he can snap. I'm looking at Jesse Davis, who is a big-bodied offensive lineman but plays soft. Uh, That's not a good combo, and the Dolphins struggle with Jesse Davison with consistency and assignments and winning at the point of attack. So DJ Fluker, uh, I think, might marginally impact your ability as the Miami Dolphins to draft one of these seven first-round talents that I have stacked. So what I did yesterday, we went through players 25 through 8, and I worked at 25, and I worked my way up the board. Today, to finish with the first-round offensive lineman, and then I'll read through the full 25 before we transition to running backs, I'm going to read them from the top down. Top available offensive lineman for the Miami Dolphins. It's Penny Sewell. Offensive tackle, University of Oregon, 331 pounds. 84th percentile in the standing broad jump. Extremely young player, was a 19-year-old, as a sophomore in 2019, and literally got better game after game, possession after possession. The challenge for Miami is the value proposition of potentially drafting Penny Sewell, and number six overall, when you've made the other investments in the offensive line and you have other pressing issues on your roster, it's not great. It's at some point it becomes redundant. I had somebody ask me that yesterday. They say, Kyle, all year, last year, you talked about the difference between investing and addressing needs on your roster. Why are you now? anti-drafting penne sewell and i would simply say uh, that the dolphins have already invested in the offensive line and at some point you have to realize when it becomes overkill and using the number six overall pick in my opinion and you're allowed to think differently i'm not gonna think any less of you and i hope would hope you don't think any less of me if we disagree on this topic Drafting Pene Sewell at six would become overkill for the Dolphins offensive line. When it's still about finding a complementary group of five players, and you can have a stalwart left tackle, or in this case, right tackle, and if they don't mesh, if the chemistry's not there, it can still be problematic. That's not to say Pene Sewell wouldn't help with the chemistry, but Pene Sewell already has his own technical advancements that he needs to make to his game, and now you're going to ask him to switch and play right tackle instead of left tackle when he never played a snap there with the University of Oregon? It's a tough sell. But we did a whole podcast on that already. Uh, Penny Sewell, regardless, he meets all the Dolphins thresholds. He's the highest-rated offensive tackle prospect in this year's class. Who is number two? It's not a lot of other people's number two. Ray Sean Slater, which we'll talk about here in not-too-distant future. It's also not a lot of people's OT3, which is Christian Darisol from Virginia Tech. It's Tevin Jenkins, natural right tackle, Oklahoma State, 317 pounds, 72nd percentile in the standing broad jump. So he checks both boxes for the Miami Dolphins for their thresholds. 315, 310. He's over that. He's almost 320 pounds. Should be no problem stacking on a few extra pounds if you want to. And he clears the lower body explosives. And you watch Tevin Jenkins on tape, and he railroads dudes. He is an absolute blast to watch play in the run game. And he gets out in space, and he's every bit as powerful and explosive and dynamic, picking up second level and in space defenders as you would see in a lot of cases from Penny I don't think he's as fluid. I don't think he's as long. But he is absolutely positively a stylistic fit, a athletic profile fit. I think he's a value fit. He'd be there right there at 17, 18, 21. The Raiders at 17 makes sense for him. The Dolphins, you could make an argument. Maybe not anymore after the DJ Fluker signing. But again, I don't, I don't know if I would necessarily let that be restrictive on me adding it if he was comfortably the best player on my board if I were the Dolphins in Chris Greer, especially you take a pass catcher at six, which by the way, there's uh, some, the, the winds and whispers of the 2021 NFL draft uh, had a chance to talk to some plugged in folks. And uh, if you're hoping for the top rated consensus wide receiver in a lot of places not here on this show or if you're alternatively hoping for one consensus number one tight end you might want to hold on to your butts you know, and, and I know I've gone on some places uh, like the Alex Dono show on Onside radio and talked a little bit about how uh, you kind of got a feel for what Cincinnati was going to do and it was not going to conflict with what we were hoping for for Miami. Some office politics going on. We'll see. Not as confident as I was before. Let's just say that. Number three. I think this is also a little bit of a surprise. Alex Leatherwood. Offensive lineman, University of Alabama. Of course, we are developing a pipeline for the Miami Dolphins, University of Alabama. Alex Leatherwood He plays both guard and tackle. He's played on both sides of the line. He was 98th percentile on the broad jump. He came in at 312, and he's played above that. And he is going to be really comfortable conceptually with the Dolphins' style of play because the Dolphins are styling their play after the University of Alabama. So... Leatherwood for me is one of the surprises. And and I would liken this to the Austin Jackson thing last year. And and I value Leatherwood more highly inside than I do outside. Uh, I think 18 is probably a little rich, but would I be stunned to see the Tennessee Titans draft him in the first round? Right there, and I think they're at 22 no, not at all. Would I be stunned to see the Jacksonville Jaguars at 25 draft him? No, not at all. Would I be stunned to see the Pittsburgh Steelers at 24 draft him? No, not at all. There's a number of teams in the 20s that, like, Alex Leatherwood is going to make a lot of sense for. But what he is is he's the last of the first-round offensive linemen that I've stacked that has a complete athletic profile that checks both the boxes. The other names down the list, Christian Darrisaw, left tackle, Virginia Tech, 322 pounds, no athletic testing. Landon Dickerson, the first interior offensive lineman on this group, 333 pounds at center. By the way, with the addition of DJ Fluker, the Dolphins have now added 10 significant players, and the average weight is up to 325 pounds. Rayshon Slater, 304 pounds. Elijah Vera Tucker, 308. So why did these guys finish at the bottom of the bucket? Remember, this is the first-round prospect's bucket. I got three players I know for a fact that fit the Dolphins' M.O. Sewell, Jenkins, Leatherwood. I got another two who I think do in Christian Derisaw and Landon Dickerson. Now, medicals are going to push Landon Dickerson out of the first-round predictively in most cases, maybe not exactly, but perhaps But his tape, unquestionably, is worth a first-round pick. And if he was healthy, he'd probably be in front of Leatherwood. He'd probably be my third offensive lineman. But he's not healthy. So we have to take all factors into account. And then the other two, Slater and Vera Tucker. I'm just not quite sure they fit Miami. And because of that, they were the guys who you don't question their first-round caliber prospects but I don't think they fit for Miami. So you put them at six and seven on this big board, knowing full well somebody else is going to have them two or three. They're going to be gone long before they would get to a point in which they're a value proposition for you, which would be at, no, 36. I thought Eric DaCosta, the GM of the the Baltimore Ravens, did a really nice job when he vocalized this, talking about making sure you're bringing in players that fit your program and fit what you want to do. Uh, if you have not found or heard that discussion point from Eric DaCosta, uh, look it up on social media. It's worth the two minutes of your time. And he paints a really clear picture about having criterion standards and understanding that some players just aren't going to check those boxes. So my first-round bucket of offensive linemen for the Miami Dolphins, Penne Sewell, Tevin Jenkins, Alex Leatherwood, those three confirmed – Check all the boxes for Miami. Christian Deresaw, Landon Dickerson, first-round tape, incomplete athletic profiles, medicals for Landon Dickerson, push him down, otherwise he'd be three. Sean Slater, Elijah Vera Tucker, don't think they're fits for the Dolphins. Quick read-through of the other 25, total of 25 names, before we shift gears to running backs. Quinn Miners, these are day-two prospects. Quinn Miners, Creed Humphrey, Sam Cosme, Spencer Brown, Josh Myers, Wyatt Davis. Day three prospects. Trey Smith, David Moore from Grambling State, Bank Cleveland, University of Georgia, Jackson, Carmen Clemson, Sedarius Hutcherson, South Carolina, Jack Anderson, Texas Tech, Walker Little, Stanford, Aaron Banks, Notre Dame, Trey Hill, Center, Georgia, Stone Forsyth, uh, Tackle, University of Florida, Carson Green, Texas A&M, Tommy Doyle, Miami of Ohio. Football season may be over, but BetOnline still has plenty of sports betting action for you to get in on with the NBA, MLB, and NHL all in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television with real-time updated odds and props on just about anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all of the news scores and odds and is the best way to place your bets, plus it's free to sign up. So, head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKED ON. Bet online, your online sports book experts. This Locked On podcast
2: is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients.
0: The Locked On Podcast Network is covering the NFL Draft from all angles. Catch up on the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast presented by Odyssey. Follow Locked On NFL Draft and yours truly over on Draft Dudes for the latest draft nudes and stay tuned for more information on our live NFL Draft coverage in 2021. So here's the good news, right? Uh, Because I don't have a 25-player board... (laughs) For the running back position, I'm going to start from the top down. I like doing top down, uh, but with the 25, I wanted to do something a little bit more interesting Uh, instead of just, okay, you know, everybody tunes out after the eighth name on the list. Well, we've only got 10 in the running back market, and I think there's uh, some good trends to be found. I think there's a good blend of guys who can catch the ball out of the backfield. I think there's a good mix of explosive guys. What you will not find... However, is a couple of, I don't want to say household names, uh, but they are names in, in that are generally perceived to be top eight backs in the class. On my 10 running back board, I don't have North Carolina's Michael Carter. I think he's a lot of what the Dolphins already have plenty of. We're looking to get different roles on the roster filled. New England Patriots, this is how they, they do it. They don't give you necessarily... Uh, Some of the standardized, distinguish distinctions. They ask, okay, what role do we have on the roster? It's filled by who? This prospect, projecting him into that same role, is he an upgrade over what we have? Yes or no. So I look at the Michael Carters of the world. I look at the Kenneth Gainwells of the world. And I ask myself, are these players upgrades over anything the Dolphins currently have on the roster? And my answer in both cases was no. So therefore, they did not make the cut. Najee Harris from Alabama is, of course, RB1. The production is off the charts. We talked about in the pros and cons of drafting Najee Harris at 18 uh, podcast, plenty about what he does well, what he does not do well, some of the risk Uh, As far as the economics of the position, um, I would not expect him to be there at 36. I would not expect him to be there if you were strategically trying to trade back beyond, say, pick 23. So you've got a little strike zone and wiggle room where if this guy's on the board for somebody else, uh, that expectation is beginning to form that they are going to draft that player. So for if you're Miami and you are dead set on Najee Harris, first and foremost, I would caution you to not take that mentality with anything regarding the NFL draft. Uh, but if you are, it's 18 or nothing, as far as I'm concerned at this point in time. That is, of course, always subject to change, not dissimilar to the Cincinnati Bengals and their plans for this year's NFL draft. Um, But Najee Harris, Army 1. In an incomplete athletic profile, I I think it's much easier to stack a board just based on talents and fits at running back than it is trying to do five positions up front. Having trends that the Dolphins clearly gravitate towards and accommodating those, it helps you narrow your scope, but how you choose to to value and quantify them becomes more challenging. My running back, too, is Javante Williams from North Carolina. Uh, his style of play, I think he runs angry. Two hundred twenty pounds, a little bit more of a pure jackhammer. He's not quite as doesn't have quite have the same finesse as Najee Harris, which is ironic, because Najee is naturally just as powerful because he's ten pounds heavier. Uh, Najee's a more accomplished pass catcher, but Javante Williams runs mean, and he'll run directly through your face. He does not care, and I love that about Javante Williams. Both of these guys are four six guys. Javante Williams ran. Najee Harris did not. But I'm telling you right now, they're both four six guys. Their ability to win foot races out in the open field is one of the Achilles heel in both of their evaluations. That is not a problem for running back three for me, for the Dolphins specifically, which is Travis Etienne. What I like about Travis, home run hitting speed. He runs in the 4'3s when he's not bulked up. He was listed at 210 pounds. 4'4 four, four flat in the 40. Developed and blossomed into a very good pass catcher over the course of the last two years for the University of Clemson. A lot of designed plays for him. What I also like about Travis Etienne is they ran a ton of RPOs this past year. Miami, alternatively, ran a ton... Of RPOs, So you're getting a back who's comfortable with an evolving mesh point, who runs out of the shotgun, understands how to press the line of scrimmage. Uh, Vision is not always completely consistent, but he has a really good contact balance to be able to spin and parlay off his stuff. He's the lightest back of the three, but he's also simultaneously the fastest back of the three. I would put his vision comparatively versus the other two backs in front of him behind Najee Harris probably ahead of Javante Williams. Javante is a true in-between-the-tackles, inside-zone type. Najee Harris can do everything. I'm not asking him to run a bunch of wide zone and press to the boundary. Uh, Travis Etienne can do that and is probably going to be a little less effective in-between the tackles than the first two backs, which is why he's lower on my personal list as it pertains to the Dolphins. Running back four, Ohio State, Trey Sermon. This is the first back that, you know, Najee Harris is 18 or nothing. Uh, Javante Williams, I'll drop a couple breadcrumbs here, why not? Uh, the team that I heard was associated in interest in Javante Williams made a transaction from the time I had a conversation pertaining that team uh, that involved the same position as Javante Williams, and that is fairly reasonable to say is uh, now no longer going to be a top-pressing need for said team. Travis Etienne, I think, is in play between 18 and 36. Fair chance of getting to you at 36. Javante Williams, I would say, has a reasonable chance of getting you to 36 now. This is why I don't do the news stuff, man. It's so it happens so fast, it evolves so quick. I'm just giving you guys the information that I have at the time. And the information that I have at the time is you have a reasonable chance to see RB1 come off the board in the mid 20s if Miami does not take him. And then you get to worry about like Jacksonville and the Jets will either get one or two cracks at backs plus Buffalo but the back that Buffalo really likes is also the back that could be going in the mid twenties You keeping up Trey Sermon from Ohio state. Uh, This is a pick 81 option for me and kind of the Goldilocks zone for running backs. Uh, We've talked about him a fair amount as well. Uh, Trey Sermon ran a ton of inside zone at Ohio state. He gouged Michigan state, Northwestern and Clemson for over 500 rushing yards, Uh, At the end of the season, once he got his feet underneath him, getting acclimated to a new offense, uh, not as accomplished as uh, catching the football as any of the three guys in front of him. Uh, But as an early down guy, if you want to turn him into a true committee with Miles Gaskin, Trey Sermon, I think, is that dude in this year's class. And he had a very, very, very respectable pro day showing as well. Uh, You want some explosiveness. Here you go. Okay, so he was... Six foot on the dot, 215 pounds. Uh, his 149 10 yard split was the 94th percentile of running back since 1999. Uh, 461, so he had an amazing 10 yard split. His 40 speed was 34th percentile. Uh, but in the jumps, 37 inches in the vert, 10 5 in the broad, both of those are above the 80th percentile. A six eight four in the three cone, 85th percentile the three cones since 1999 are running backs athletic big dude at 215 pounds that's a good combination rockauto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high quality service online for the last 20 years so whether you're shopping for engine control modules brake parts tail lights, motor oil or even new carpet for your classic or daily driver RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, prices are the same at RockAuto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit RockAuto.com for all your auto parts needs. And right write on and Jerry, how did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at RockAuto.com dot com. The Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey is happening now. Featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason Lockham, and Brian Baldinger. Our local experts from every team are making trades and picking up the next stars for their respective teams. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that you need. That's A U D. A C Y. And we are continuing on running back five in this draft class. Ramondre Stevenson, University of Oklahoma. Ironically enough, Trey Sermon's old running mate with the Sooners. Uh, Stevenson showed up at the senior bowl, 227 pounds. Uh, so he is a big dense back. And he was one of the ones who really hit it off with Eric Studsville when they were doing pass protection drills at the Senior Bowl. I thought he showcased himself well. Uh, He reminds me a little bit of like a LeGarrette Blunt-style runner. 5'11", 231 at his pro day, uh, he ran four six four, so another 4-6 back. I think four of the top five now are guys that are running four sixes. I just don't think that, I think that physicality between the tackles matters more to the Dolphins, especially because they did go out and get a speed guy last year, and it did not work well. He is not explosive relative to Trey Sermon uh agilities were okay 709 in the three cone which is 45th percentile 415 in the 20 yard shuttle that is 78th percentile uh some of the backs according to mockdraftable.com that he compares to alex collins from arkansas who the dolphins kicked the tires on at one point peyton barber down with the tampa bay buccaneers uh so those are the notable names that compare to Ramondre Stevenson. This is a day three back. At this point, you have entered into the territory in which these guys are going to have limitations that should not warrant feature running back roles. I think the top four guys can be a featured runner for the Dolphins. Nobody else beyond this point at least has the track record to prove that they can take a featured role. But the next guy has the athletic potential to take on a featured role, we're talking about Chris Evans from the University of Michigan. And no, I'm not talking about Captain America. I'm talking about running back Chris Evans, 5'11, 211 pounds. And get this: you're in 4'5'2. Okay, a little bit of extra juice compared to some of the other backs in attendance at the Pro Days. 40 and a half in the vert, 95th percentile. 10 7 in the broad, 92nd percentile. 6'85 in the three cone, and that's an adjusted time, 82nd percentile. Michigan had him in the 6'5s. That obviously didn't work out too well. Uh 414, 78th percentile in the short shuttle. He is a very athletically impressive back. Listen to this. The mock draftable page for him. Comparable backs include Aaron Jones from Texas, El Paso, UTEP, who just signed a big contract with the Packers that the Dolphins are rumored to be interested in getting it on. Travis Homer, University of Miami. Okay. Chris Carson, Seattle Seahawks, another player that the Dolphins were at least somewhat rumored to be interested in. David Johnson, Houston Texans, had a monster like 2,000 yard from scrimmage season not that long ago, and Trey Sermon from Ohio State. So the problem with Chris Evans, why is, why is Chris Evans RB6, Kyle? That's a great question. Chris Evans is running back six because I believe he's had mm, – let me pull it up. I want to be completely accurate. He has, over the course of the last two years at the University of Michigan, logged 16 carries last two years 25 touches all of that coming in 2020 has never been asked to be the guy in the backfield he was at Michigan for 2016 17 18 19 and 20 academically ineligible in 2019 returned to the team in 2020 and in six games logged 16 carries for 73 yards also had nine catches for 87 yards Only once touched the ball 100 times in a season. And that was 2017, 151 touches, 842 yards of scrimmage. Production is a major issue. And, of course, there is that whole thing where you missed an entire season because you were ineligible. So (laughs) the physical profile here is super enticing. But Chris Evans has never proven that he can be the guy in a backfield. And because of that, you're in day three territory. And because your variance of outcomes relative to Ramondre Stevenson, Chris Evans could be 10 times the back that Ramondre Stevenson is. But Chris Evans, just based off what his resume looks like, could also be out of the league much quicker than Ramondre Stevenson as well. So that variance in outcomes for me is why he is down at RB6. But if you had to ask me to stake my flag in the ground on a day three back, to be developed into the guy who can be a featured runner, it's Chris Evans. Running back seven for me is Kylan Hill. Kylan Hill from uh, Mississippi State had a little interesting run. Uh, Kylan played for Mike Leach at the beginning of the season and caught like eight passes for 135 yards on a score against LSU in the season opening win and like butted heads so bad with the coaching staff that he opted out early. Kylan Hill is 5'10", 214 pounds. Showcased the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield in that season opener this past year. Uh, the previous year was a highly productive runner, one of the leading rushers in the SEC. His athletic profile, he's another guy that runs nearly 4'6", 4'5", uh, But the explosiveness is there. The vertical jump is the 70th percentile. His broad jump is the 76th percentile. He's best in the open field. He's best as a straight-line runner. I do think some of the comp names for him are interesting. J.K. Dobbins, Damian Harris, Kareem Hunt. I would say he's not as bouncy in his cuts as Dobbins or Hunt. But when he comes downhill, he's condensed like those guys are. And he can get under your pads and he can put you on your back. Likeable player, just doesn't really move the needle for me. This would be like a fifth round prospect for me. You know, Chris Evans, Ramondre Stevenson, they're four fives. Kylan Hill is a five. The next three names, Jermar Jefferson, Oregon State, one-cut runner. Chuba Hubbard, Oklahoma State, former sprinter, one-cut runner. And Elijah Mitchell from Louisiana. He's a little bit of a sleeper. We'll get into him, but not before Jermar Jefferson and Chuba Hubbard. Jermar Jefferson. Uh, Really underwhelming with his athletic profile. But you watch him play at Oregon State. And he has a really nice ability to stick his foot in the ground and get up into a gap with some quickness. Uh, He did not showcase particularly well in any athletic test. 5'10", 206, 4'6", flat. Chuba Hubbard, uh, his... Profile's a little bit more favorable, Six foot 210, uh, 451, 70th percentile on the vert, 61st percentile on the broad jump, 3-cone, though, seven to eight, 11th percentile. Shows up on tape, too, asking him to change directions. And he has some vision stuff that I think makes him a little scary. And when he played in 2019 and he rushed for, like, 2,000 yards, Chuba Hover was, like, a red-hot name, but... I think the offense really regressed with all of the pieces that they lost. And suddenly running space was nowhere near as easy to find. Uh, And he pressed into the line of scrimmage coming out with the football without having a sense of the flow of the defense and anticipating where he would have to cut to. And when he did, like his feet come to a dead stop. He kills all his momentum in the backfield, and it's just that that gets a little messy. Um, But if you can pave pathways for him, like he's a true gap slash power system runner, if you can clear pathways, that's, that's how he is going to find success in the NFL. The last name, Elijah Mitchell, Louisiana. I flagged him a little bit because he tested at 201. He didn't play at 201. He's a bigger back than that. But he tested great. 4 3 5 in the 40. I didn't see that on tape. But again, he didn't look like he was playing anywhere close to 201. Uh, That's the 97th percentile of backs. 1 5 1 in the 10 yard is 87th percentile. Broad jump, 94th percentile. Vertical 83rd percentile, three cones 71st, short shuttle 61st. So he tested good almost unanimously across the board. Some of the comps that show up for him, uh, Chris Evans, who we talked about, Travis Etienne, who we talked about, Justice Hill from Oklahoma State a couple years ago, Darrington Evans with the Titans from last year. So some... NFL caliber backs here. This is not a guy who's a subpar athlete. I guess the question for me is, is he gonna play at 201? Or is he going to play, end up playing closer to where he was listed at on the Louisiana roster? Because that discrepancy is kind of hard to reconcile. Elijah Mitchell was listed at 215 on the Louisiana roster. So we dropped 15 pounds to test. So because of that uncertainty. I'm just a little leery to put him high. But that's another guy, you know, sixth round, fifth, sixth round. Somebody wants to draft him ahead of that, more power to you. And then snow sweat off my back. So, again, this, some of these names are not better backs than Michael Carter and potential players than Kenneth Gainwell. But what they are is players that the Dolphins need. Uh, these guys who can win between the tackles. This is the identity of the Dolphins and what they want to do to run the football, churn out some tough yards. They got Miles Gaskin, who's a guy who can win as a pass catcher and get out in space a little bit and do the screen game stuff. They obviously signed Malcolm Brown on a short-term one-year deal. It gives you the anticipation that that kind of power style back is something that is not settled long-term. So again, the backs in order for how I scored them up for the Dolphins. The top ten. First round guys, Najee Harris, Javante Williams, Travis Etienne. Etienne's got enough of the -the in-between-the-tackle stuff and enough of the contact balance that I'm still willing to put him high. Day two option. The only day two option in my book for the Dolphins, Trey Sermon. Early day three. Ramondre Stevenson, Oklahoma, Chris Evans, Michigan, midday three, Kylan Hill, Mississippi State, Jermar Jefferson, Oregon State. Late day three, Chuba Hubbard, Oklahoma State. Elijah Mitchell, Louisiana. Another name I liked a little bit was Jared Dokes from Cincinnati as a bonus name. 225 pound back. Doesn't have a lot of juice in the open field, but we've already talked about. You can tell you're leaving for these Dolphins packs. That's going to do it for the Dolphins. Running back board, finishing off the offensive line board, lots of discussion. This is a longer show. I appreciate everybody's patience, uh, but I'm working through this process, working through all the information that's out there right now, working through what we know the Dolphins like, don't like what they need, already have, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, trying to set as clear of expectations for who the candidates are for Miami, And then once we get all the the primary positions of need taken care of for the Dolphins, then we'll go through and we'll start working on guys in tiers, first-round offensive linemen, first-round edge rushers, first-round running backs. You got to let's make a combo pack and see what you like. We're running out of time to get there, but we will get it all done. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. I'm Kyle Krabs. Thanks, as always, for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day.